it's Ronnie Davis, and you're listening to Eating More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap, if you want to end the weight and food war, and start reimagining healthy eating and living. We'll show you how to change your mind, your food world, and your life with less doing and more being. I'm good. Um, today, our topic is body liberation, body acceptance, whatever you want to call it, isn't a one and a done. It's, it's an everyday practice, if you want it to be. Um, and and where, where this topic came from was from uh, a coaching call that I had with a client. And she was sharing with me that, you know, I, she's like, Man, I, I feel like I'm a pretty body confident person. I'm pretty happy with my body. It doesn't, you know, my, the state of my body doesn't disrupt how I feel about myself on a regular basis. Um, and, and very rarely, but she shared with me, she sat on the toilet and happened to look down at her pants and noticed that her pants were a size 16 mm-hmm. and it triggered this, whoa. I, I don't want my pants to be a size 16. I want them to be a 12 or a 14. And, you know, it triggered to like, why? Like, why do I want this? And it, it she realized like she has attached some kind of meaning to the, to the larger size. Yeah. And, you know, of course we have this discussion around, you know, there is no, you know, national size or, you know, all encompassing size that all brands need to follow. Like if you're a 14, then the waist and the hips and all of this needs to be this size. And even within then, like, it, you know, it would be great if that could happen or for brands to work towards that. But when you just understanding the structure of clothes and sometimes just the way things are structured based on style. So say we're to take jeans and they were to be a high rise jean or a curvy jean that fit curves. They, it all has to be kind of measured a little bit differently based on different styles. So like, it is really hard to get that, you know, that broad size across all brands and everything, everything, you know, if you're a size 14 in every store, then you're a size 14. And unfortunately it, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, there's the talk around understanding that, you know, sizes are bullshit. <laughs> like I, yeah. <laughs> And be a large, medium, or small, or even an extra small, just depending on the style of of that item. And so, you know, we talked about that. And then we also mentioned that sometimes these things just sneak up on us. And it's mm-hmm. not because she has a negative body image per se. And we'll dive into like, you know, those who have, you know, body dysmorphia or mm-hmm a lot of challenges with their body image, then they may have to work harder versus some people where it just kind of creeps up. And so I just want to also remind her that like that thought and that feeling, like that didn't come from her. That was, it was given to her (laughs) from all of the anti-fat, you know, messaging and marketing that we have been, um, that has been shoved down our throat for decades. We've inherited yeah. from our grandmothers, our mothers, and we still see it. There's so much hate and judgment towards those in larger bodies. And when we see that, and if our, our size is going up, 
we're like mm-hmm. they're gonna hate and judge us and gonna assume things about us and we also on a subconscious level understand that there's something called thin privilege and those that are in our bodies they get judged less they're more likely to get the job they're going to more likely to think that they're healthy and that they're more valuable or worthy or a better human (laughs) and though none of that is true that's what we've been told and so we have this fear and, and some people call it fat phobia though i read an article um, that gave a good case for not calling it fat phobia because it means that it's like an actual medical condition. Like a phobia is an actually mm-hmm. like medical condition mm-hmm. having phobia and to call fat phobia is kind of dismissing how oppressive this culture that we've been brought up in. Like it's not really, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's like hate and yeah. it's shame discrimination. and it's discrimination. Like let's call it what it is. And so since, using the word anti-fat bias because it is it's anti-fat and i just kind of like when black lives matter happened we all realized especially us who you know white people of privilege Mm -hmm. uh, we all are racist because we're (laughs) like even though like i never would have identified as as racist but once you start peeling back the layers you realize well i'm still upholding systems Mm -hmm. that benefit and that don't benefit um, people of color. And so, you know, we all have, we all have that anti-fat bias in us because of the culture that we come in and it affects us on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so one of my suggestions for anybody who is struggling with their body image or maybe even if they don't struggle, but they, these thoughts come up and it's on a subconscious level. Like I'm going to give another example. I was talking to a client yesterday and she was telling me about all the clothes that she wouldn't wear. And it was all based on how it was going to make her body look. Yeah. So she completely, she was struggling because she had so limited the types of clothes that she could wear because, Oh, oh, well, stripes, stripes are going to make me look bigger Mm -hmm. and I need to wear, um, tight fitting pants so that my legs don't look bigger and I can't wear this skirt because it's going to make my hips look bigger. And it's like, <laughs> what are you going to wear then? <laughs> and so she got herself in this, in this spot. And so like, and I believe like that she was making these decisions consciously and subconsciously because she recognized that looking bigger is, it's been classified as bad, well, right? It's the same thing you were saying about the clothing sizes too, right? Because the problem with judging ourselves, like the problem with, with, you know, the way that we look at clothing sizes, it's not just that clothing sizes are different across all brands and across all, all um, stores. It's that we are judging certain sizes to be good and certain sizes to be bad. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing. You're judging a certain look. You're judging a certain size. It's the meaning that you're attaching to that that size or, or to, you know, the, the clothing size with the size of your body. Yeah. So my biggest advice for people, if they catch themselves attaching meaning to the number on their clothes or attaching some kind of negative meaning to a size of their body or a body part is to like, first off, like question, like, where did this thing, where did this thought and belief come from? Cause I truly believe we weren't born. We weren't born with a preconceived notion of like yeah. what do good and bought good you know what are bo- what bodies are good or bad like yeah, absolutely <laughs> it's, it's something 
something that collectively as a culture we have you know through exposure through marketing and film and influence um and visuals and representation um it's something that has been just as a culture we're like bad our biggest is bad yeah. thin is and and so we need to question where did this thought come from is it mine and do i truly believe big is bad mm -hmm. think big is bad then of course you're going to judge yourself and you yeah. continue to judge yourself so if you want to stop judging yourself and attaching a negative meaning to the state and size of your body or the number on clothes is you need to unravel and like change that core belief yes and you need work on it. And it's interesting. I've had some clients say, I don't believe that about other people, but I believe it about myself. Yeah. Right. And that's why we got to start with ourselves first. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. awesome you, that you don't think that about other people. But the thing is like, you're still treating yourself like shit on a regular basis. And you know, well, the reason that we can, the reason that that often happens, I've, I've found is because when we're judging fat to be bad and we're internalizing that judgment we judge ourselves for it because we're scared of the way we're going to be judged by other people we don't necessarily think that about other people because it doesn't matter to us if they get judged because they're not us but right. we're so scared of not being accepted or being judged um negatively that we internalize mm -hmm. it and and that's one of the things that can happen often the other thing that I've, I've heard from a lot of people, and I used to be the same way myself, admittedly, is that um, we don't, we get so, like that anti-fat bias gets so embedded in us that in a lot of ways, often we don't even want to let it go. Because the fear is if we let it go, if we stop worrying about gaining weight or what our bodies look like or the need to lose weight, we fear that we are never going to lose the weight and we're never going to feel good about ourselves. So it's almost like a lot of women, again, I did it for years myself. It's almost like we hold on to it. Like I need to hold on to this feeling that, that fat is bad or I'm never going to quote fix it. Um, and that's another really challenging thing that I think a lot of women struggle with. And one of the things that I always say is, um, you know, how's it working for you? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it making your life healthier or happier to hold on to that? Is it making, is it even making you smaller to hold on to that? And the answer is almost always no to all three of those things. So then you have to start looking at, okay, like how is this belief, even though I'm struggling with wanting to let go of it, let's just get real about how it's impacting my life yeah. and start there. Yeah. Because I'm a big believer, if it's not working for you, stop doing it. Yeah. I, I've had a friend say that to me that she, you know, feeling bad about her body is what motivates her. Yeah. And I'm like, but what if you felt good about your body? Like, what if you loved your body? And what if you like treated your body with kindness mm -hmm. and care and respect? How would, like, to me, that makes way more sense. Like, if you're going to yeah. be kinder to yourself, <laughs> you're going to treat your body in kinder ways and you're going to make kinder choices. 100%. And so I kind of wanted to dive into like, what are some body kindness mm -hmm. practices that we can put into place? Because, you know, in the, in the instance of my client where I shared, you know, she thought, you know, she was pretty body 
you know, she had a lot of body acceptance and body confidence, and then she was triggered. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a one and done. And, and first of all, I want to mention, like, this isn't your fault. Yeah. This was given to you. You're, 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 you don't hate yourself just because you've been triggered. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that either. But, you know, and some people don't need to work on it every day. But when it, when it does happen, if a trigger happens, just ask yourself, where did this thought, where did this thought come from? Yeah. Is it true? Is it mine? Who gets to benefit from this thought? What industry gets to benefit from this thought, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to make money off of that. 100%. You know, so question those things. But for those who maybe struggle more on a regular basis, you know, what are some body kindness practices that we can put into our life every day? Mm. Right? And there's times that we're going to not need it as much, and there's times that we might have to more. I have another client where she's practicing just seeing herself on a regular basis. She just needs to like look in the mirror on a regular Mm -hmm. basis so that she realizes her own body to herself because Mm -hmm. she's always avoiding looking in a mirror, being in a picture. So her work, and it's going to be different for everybody, but for her work, it's, I just need to get used to seeing my body. And it is like the more we see normalized bodies, you know, sized bodies, shaped bodies, hair on bodies, more we normalize seeing stretch marks and all of those different things, then it's like, okay, well, I'm used to seeing all this and it's normal. So when I see it on myself, I'm not triggered. Yeah. So one of them is maybe just seeing your body on a regular basis and just getting used to seeing it. And that's one of my practices. When I, my body changes, I'm always looking at it in the mirror and I'm looking at it at different angles. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at it sitting and I get to see the rolls on my stomach. You know, I'm, I'm constantly looking at it because I want to be like aware of these changes. So all of a sudden I'm not like looking down and being like, and, and have a trigger. And the mm-hmm. thing is no matter what work I've done, I've spent like almost 40 years practicing and being in a society that's told me that fat is bad. And so even though I've spent like four plus years working on unraveling that, I still get triggered because mm-hmm. we still society. Like you can't just, practice one way of believing and thinking for almost 40 years. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to love my body now. And now I'm all good. It's a one and done. It's not, it's, it's, you need to still spend (laughs) years probably trying to unravel that. I I think that's, I think that's a really important point. um, Because yeah, like a lot of times, you know, we're always so focused on, I want to get to a place where I feel better in my body. And it's almost like we treat it like it's this destination and like next Tuesday at like 4 p.m. I'm finally going to be there and everything's going to be perfect. Yeah. But the reality is that's not how it works. And you're you're constantly going to be triggered, especially in the beginning. But the more the more you practice and the more you start working on shifting those beliefs, the less those triggers impact you when they occur. So mm-hmm. like, for example, when I I first started trying to, you know, change my own body image. Well, when I first started trying to change my own body image, I did it by changing my body like everybody does. Yeah. And then I won trophies for my body and I went and I still hated it. And I went, oh, wait, maybe it's actually maybe not my body. That's the problem. Maybe change something. <laughs> need more happiness. Yeah. So, hmm. maybe, so maybe there's something else I have to change here. So I started actively paying attention to the things that I was saying to myself about my body when I would see it. So when I would be in the mirror every day, like you were saying, when you see it, I was paying attention to what I was saying to myself when I would see it. And I started noticing how critical I was. Mm. And it's very, very difficult to feel good about a body that you're 
talking badly about 24 seven. So whenever I would notice myself saying something critical about my body, which happened a lot, I would immediately switch it to something to be grateful for. And I, cause I didn't, I couldn't find anything to like about it, but I could find things to be grateful for. I can see my arms move, my legs move, right? My, I, my hair is long and thick, it grows well. So like I could be, I could find things to be grateful for about it. So I would, I would practice switching to, to noticing things I could be grateful for. That was yeah. the first thing that I had to start doing, but it was a practice because you're those thoughts are programmed into our brains and they keep coming up and every time they come up you have to practice again and in the beginning when i first started you know i'd try to switch to something to be grateful for and what would happen was immediately the first voice in my head would pop in and say well that's stupid and you still look like crap and it would you know so almost feel like this little bit of an argument back and forth but the more i did it and this is the really really important part the more i did it the less I was attaching to those old beliefs and the more I was able to pull myself back and fully believe the new beliefs. And the more I could fully believe the new beliefs, the less I would get triggered or the less, the less, like, like the less strong the tr triggers would be, I, I should say, I guess. Like it, it, it doesn't affect me as much now. Like I can recognize when, you know, maybe fear of judgment may still pop up every once in a while where I'll think, oh, well, what are people going to think? Because I don't look as good as I did, right? I can, I can notice that that may pop up, but I can immediately go, oh, it doesn't matter because I'm happy. So it's really important that you recognize that it is a practice. It's yeah. not one and done. And it doesn't feel comfortable at first. <laughs> and it's so funny that that was your number one it's my number one like this is why this number one works guys so if you struggle number one works and barb just shared um in the comments that every, you know when she was triggered by her current reflection um she also remembered that she was still triggered when she was 60 pounds lighter 100 percent, i was too you know? and that the issue wasn't what her vessel looks like and so then she would switch to gratitude yeah. and that how funny I am or how much she loves to laugh. And it was all dependent on what she looked like. And that, that was my number one was let's stop focusing on loving our body. Loving what it looks like. Right. Let, let's take the body out of the equation. Let's take it out of the equation completely and be like, you know, my legs can get me yeah. across the floor. My arms get to hug like, and, and we're, you know, this is speaking for somebody who's able-bodied, yeah. right? And, you know, then I, I take the, you know, I look in, you know, people who are in wheelchairs and people who can't see or can't hear, you know what I mean? Like, there's always something to be grateful for, though. There right? is to be grateful for, but there's I don't always some for the, yeah. those yeah. Uh, and who have disabilities, right? Like, that, yeah. that is, you know, we have privilege mm -hmm. as walking around, being able to have access to all of our senses, and be possibly fairly healthy, right? But, you know, being grateful that you can use your voice to communicate, that you can breathe maybe without an oxygen mask. Like, get, like, get real and gritty yeah. about, like, there is always something, and you might only find one or two at the beginning, depending on how much you've bullied yourself over the years, right? That, and it, it can take a while. Yeah, that's the really important thing to remember, too, because, um, it, we have to, 
we have to detach what our bodies look like mm -hmm. from the way that we feel about them. Because it doesn't matter what they look like, we can learn to love them anyway. Yeah. We don't have to love, I don't have to love what my body looks like to love and respect it and value it right now. It's a the other thing that, and Barb makes a, and Barb, sorry? It's a relationship. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and Barb made a good point where she's talking about, you know, switching it to how funny I am and, and, and you know, different things about who she is as a person. That's a really important point too, because for me, what I realized from turning my body into something that most people, you know, sort of was like found appropriate or whatever. What I realized from doing that was when I got there and I still hated what my body looked like, what I started realizing was, like I said, it wasn't about my body. It was the anti-fat bias partly for sure. And all of the messages we get about what bodies are supposed to look like, but even more so than that for me, it was deeply rooted in the way that I felt about myself as a human. And I think that this is a really, really big part that a lot of people miss too about body image, because if you don't love or even like who you are as a person, you are never going to be able to accept the image staring back at you. Yeah. And so for me, healing my body image really required also looking at all of the reasons why I didn't like who I was. Not only did I not love myself, I didn't like myself. So I had to really start digging into that and well, who am I as a person and how can I even start just loving me more? Because I can't love the vessel I'm in if I can't even love me. That's, that's a huge point Barb just said, you know, what I look like is the least interesting thing about us. And, 100%. and you know, it is the relationship that we have with ourselves is the most important relationship. Yeah. But like I about my partner in like love very deeply. I don't necessarily love everything about him. Yeah. <laughs> but I can still treat him with kindness and yeah. care and respect and love, right? Like I don't have to love everything about myself, but for yeah. the most part, like I love myself very deeply. And it's why like I always treat myself very well because I love who I am. Yeah. But that is, that is where you have to start working on is like, who are you? Like, yeah. who are you? You know, are you, if you're not being aligned with who you are, then you know, look at, are, are you being influenced? Yeah. Like, do you not like, because you're comparing yourself to somebody who actually isn't a life or an idea of what you're not truly aligned with? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I usually start with my values. Yeah. Yeah. What's important to me that that influences how I feel about myself and influences yeah. my decisions It influences how I live my life, how I run my business, my values influence everything. And that's where I go to when I have self doubt, when yeah. I catch myself myself I remember like who am I at my core yeah and and on that so I think that's a great point you know sometimes we have to heart, start learning about ourselves again and sometimes I mean a lot of times why people start going to therapy right like because yeah. and that might yeah. where you will have to start yeah and it, it's it's um it's so much about our values and 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 how we feel about ourselves and and you know, the things that we, we are saying to ourselves about ourselves all day, because I wouldn't just crap on my body all day, I would crap on me as a person. You're such a loser, you're such a this, you're such a that. And you're saying those things to yourself all day too. You're so lazy, you can't ever stick to anything. Like all of those things that you're saying to yourself, like also again, you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have struggles. So you, you have to kind of come back to again, what are the things that I'm saying to myself about my body and about who I am as a person yeah. and is all of that working for me? Is it 
thing. And yeah, like you were talking about body kindness. Once we start, you know, really beginning to, to shift into a little bit of gratitude for our bodies and out of the hate and the, you know, all of the loathing and all that, when we start shifting into more gratitude and, and we, you know, shift ourselves out of the fear because a lot of body image issues are, at least for me and, and a lot of the women that I work with, they're very deeply rooted in fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And when you're stuck in that fear, you're not connected to your body. You're just out looking for solutions, right? So when we can, you know, switch into gratitude and try to sort of ground ourselves out of that fear so th and start connecting back to our bodies again and just relearn how to listen to them, it gets a whole lot easier to be kind to them when you're tr trusting them and when you're grateful for them right? And you're not listening to this voice in your head all day that's just crapping on it all the time. So for me, it really started with shifting into gratitude, changing the way that I felt about myself so that I, I felt like I deserved kindness, because I didn't think I deserved kindness for a very long time. So I had to start, start learning that I actually deserve kindness, or at least feel like I wanted to believe that I deserved kindness. Like that's what where I started and then okay what what's the kindest choice I can make for myself right now and it really is as simple as just asking that question and then listening for the answer many times yeah and and I think in order to start to do that one of the things that we have to start to practice is getting out of our head yes. all that chatter yeah that's on the back of our head and it's practicing more mindfulness yeah. and getting in and being more present in your body. Yeah. And in, you know, that's where the intuition comes from. That that's, yeah. that's the deep knowing because my brain is going to lie to me. My oh, brain yeah. about fear. Um, my body might have the response to the fear, but my body's going to have a response to the thought first. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless we're talking about trauma, that's a whole other level. Yeah. I don't want to dive into that that's not my space <laughs> um but the, body responds to that too but but yeah the yeah. point is it, it starts with the thought so if if there is if if but sometimes it happens on a unconscious level oh, as well so you know there there's that and and i don't want to that's that's a whole other, yep. other story being an automatic trauma body response and that requires some some deep healing and some some absolutely. probably some count but absolutely for those who maybe aren't having a trauma, a deep trauma body response, and it's just coming from that running negative voice that runs in our head or whatever we're hearing on social media or the news or seeing, um, that's triggering thoughts. And then we start to attach beliefs and then those beliefs, mm -hmm. you know, uh, dictate our behavior. And so one of the things that, you know, is practicing is getting out of your head and getting into your body. Yeah, reconnecting, yeah. But like for me sometimes, to me, sometimes to get out of my head, to get in my body, is I need to write it mm -hmm. out. Sometimes I just need to get these thoughts, these ideas out of my head. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just need to it to process it, or maybe I need to write it down to process it. So sometimes yeah. just to a friend, to a therapist. I did it on social media the other day, and it helped me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was being triggered with some anger, and I had to get it out, and it helped me process the information. I went for a yeah. walk so I can move. You know, walking and being outdoors is one of my ways that I get connected with myself and get out of my yeah, head. Yeah, that's what I what do. Your ways of, of trying to get out of your head and into your body. And, you know, practicing presence also is another 
tapping into your senses. Yep. And and so like tapping into your senses means just you know taking some breaths and being okay what am i seeing right now but you don't have any thoughts about what you're seeing you're literally just like observing yeah like i see color i see a door i see the roundness of a handle or the curve of something and you're noticing that you're not like judging it or thinking it you're just completely taking things in or when you tap into your sense of of hearing of yeah. sound you know Maybe you're hearing a humming noise or a fan or a light or your own breath or maybe something going on outdoors. And it's just when you practice getting into those senses, it helps that practice getting present in your body. Yeah, it, it grounds you back into your body. The other thing that it does is it's very, very difficult to have that negative chatter going on in your head if you're listing the things that you're hearing and seeing and smelling and tasting and touching because yeah. your brain is busy listing off all of those other things it's very difficult to have that chatter going on and you're you're grounded you're more grounded in your body because you're in touch with your senses then and if you're grounded in your body and you're not stuck in that fear then then there's connection and there's room for kindness and compassion and um trust yeah so these are all things that you know practicing body kindness you know practicing healing the relationship that you have with yourself and, and who you are knowing your values yeah. um, being, you know, all of that there's some other stuff too that i'd like to mention it was something i mentioned actually in a video yesterday and it you know i hear it a lot people idolizing bodies yeah like you know i love myself despite my flaws and imperfections mm. but thinking <laughs> means that, that you think you have flaws and imperfection. So if you think you have a flaw and imperfection, like in comparison to what? Yeah. Right? So yeah. it means that you hold some kind of ideal. You're labeling. About You're labeling this is good, this is bad. Yeah. yeah. So Terrible idea. <laughs> start detaching from that. You have to recognize what am I idolizing? Yeah. And do I detach myself from that? Yeah. So I stopped, and you know, some common things that we idolize is um tanned skin versus pale skin yeah like my mine, who's extremely pale i am not i yeah. i all of tone in my skins i tan very easily and my friend like she doesn't tan she's either white or she burns and so she would always joke and she would joke about herself she's like you know my legs are so white they glow in the dark but like it would stop her from wearing shorts oh uh, yeah is so white right yeah. And so she was having a judgment and recognizing people don't value or idolize yeah. skin. They idolize, you know, people have, we have self tanners. We have tanners that people put on their skin. We have beds that they go and tan. They have sprays. I mean, how, oh, much, how much money and how many industries benefit from the belief that tan is better? Yeah. Well, but on top of that, how, like, the, I, I will, I refuse to tan anymore. I used to spend eight hours a day laying in the sun in the summertime and I will not do it anymore because I value my skin now. So even like forget even the industries cause I could do that for free, but it was because I wasn't valuing myself. I was valuing looks over me mm -hmm. <laughs> and, what, and what was best for me. Right. And yeah, so, so that all comes back to the way that we are judging that what's good versus what's bad you know like you said we're 
catching meaning. So we're judging that one is good and one is bad. And we're, we're judging that we're only good if we're, if we're like, if we're matching that good, that ideal that we've, we've decided is, is the ideal. And, you know, so it's about, it's attaching our worth as humans to the things that we look like. And we do it with all kinds of things. We do it with wrinkles. We do it with gray hair. We do it with pimples. We do it with so many different things. I woke up this morning. You probably even see it. I've got this enormous pimple on the side of my nose this morning. It's so friggin' sore. <laughs> Once upon a time, I wouldn't be seen in public with a pimple on my face because I'm like, oh, that's so terrible and, you know, embarrassed by it or whatever. But now it's like, I don't care. And, you know, the stretch marks and the cellulite and stuff. I remember a couple of years ago, I was standing in the mirror and I was getting dressed and I just happened to catch a glimpse of my butt in the mirror as I was pulling up my pants. And I saw, as I saw the reflection, and you have to understand, okay, when I was tra training for compete, when I was competing and stuff, I spent an exorbitant amount of time in the mirror observing my ass and from every angle and like making, is it growing? Is there progress? Is there let right? Cause it's like, I was looking for permission to like myself that day. If it, if it's round enough today, then I can like myself today. But so this day I'm in the mirror. I haven't been spending that time in front of the mirror anymore. Cause I've detached myself from it. So I happened to catch an image of myself or a glimpse of my butt this day. And I noticed, huh, that's getting flat again. And oh look, there's a little cellulite happening that never used, that wasn't there before. And I thought, eh, what are you going to do? Mama's 45. And I put the jeans on and went about my day. The reason that, that happened that day. And then afterwards I thought, holy crap, who said that? <laughs> what did I just do? I couldn't believe I could do that. But the reason I was able to do that was because I've, I've detached my worth from what I look like. And I don't assign val. I don't care either way. Like I'm not, I'm not glorifying, like you said, having cellulite free skin as a good thing whatever i don't care people get cellulite and people get stretch marks and i can't stand the whole like tiger stripe thing and whatever like just leave it alone stop giving that stuff so much power like who cares it's stretch marks like whatever people get them it's not a big deal unless we decide that it yeah. is and and you know then the thought comes to my head well sometimes you you see bodies yeah and you're like oh that's a hot body <laughs> Right? Like there's body, male, female, that I look at and I'm like, damn. You know, I also realize <laughs> part of damn is influenced by what I've been, you know, my conditioning. Yeah. Like there's certain we have types. We have Well, you know, and that's a really good point too. We absolutely have types. Like it's it's all relative, right? To what we individually like we what we prefer. Like everything is subjective. Um, a lot of that is also biological though. Like we have to have that like drive to yeah. be attracted to something, you know, to, to one or another, but there's a very big difference between just recognizing that I have a preference for a certain type and yeah. that that's kind of normal and whatever versus attaching. If it's not my preference, then it's automatically a bad thing. It influences that person's worth there. It's very different. Yeah. So, yeah, I think starting to where are you idle? bodies what types of things are you idolizing and can yeah. you start neutralize that and so yeah. that was one of the other first things that i did was like i don't idolize wrinkle free skin so yeah. therefore I don't give a shit like i will never get botox yeah Not judgments for like you get to choose what you do with your body but i recognize that i've been conditioned to believe that wrinkles are bad yeah. we don't we have 
ageism in our society where 100% value younger looking people and people who spend money and fight it. And if you want to do that, that's completely up to you. But I've detached meaning towards that. So yeah. I'm never going to do it. And I'm not saying I'm better for it. It's just, that's what's important to me. That's what's good for my mental health. It's what's good for yeah. my body, my self-acceptance. And I think that that's a really important point too, because it goes back to what I was saying before, like, is it working for you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, sure, like, you know, I spent so many years hating my body and, and doing that, like fighting to turn it into perfection and fighting aging. Like I, I used to say, I'm going to get better with age. I'm determined to like fight it and get better with age. And I did that for a lot of years. And aesthetically, like from the outside looking in, people would probably think it was working because 100% I looked better then than I do now, 100%. But is it really working at the expense of your mental or physical health? And so I think that that's like, if it's, if it's it negatively impacting your mental and your physical health, then I think that that there's a time and a place to kind of go okay like what's best for me here like is it really best for me to be so attached to this need to stay young mm -hmm. or keep up a certain appearance yeah. and for me it just was not in my best interests anymore it was not healthy at all yeah and so so i stopped another way where, where i i want to mention a few other ways that you can start to practice you know, um, body acceptance on a, on a regular basis is also to what you consume. Yeah. And now sometimes people, what we consume, right. It's just the amount of information we see on a regular basis is insane. And I don't mm -hmm. think our brains enough to even like process that to mm -hmm. any, that's why I think we have so many mental health issues, um, 100%. in our, our brain haven't been able to develop and, and we don't have enough critical thinking we don't have enough discernment that we've been practicing in our society in order to handle and process all the information that we see on a regular basis so one of them is like pay attention to what you consume so I had a conversation once with somebody you know around body hair on on um, on women mm -hmm. and their, their their belief that they think it's disgusting and I'm like, I'm the challenger. I'm like, no, it's not. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> now, it wasn't, it's not normalized for us. And so I recognize that. Like, when I saw a woman with, with armpit hair, I, I was like, yeah. you're, you respond to it because you're not used to seeing it. Yeah. And so I purposely made sure that I started, you know, in my social media or wherever I consume information is that, what I'm seeing is very, is more well-rounded, yeah. whether it's the skin, their ethnicity, their shape of their body, whether they have hair, um, no matter their gender or whatever they identify with, I made sure I'm working hard to make sure that I am normalizing variants other than this, I, you know, beauty ideal mm -hmm. you've been, been, you know, we bought into. And so, paying attention to what you're consuming and looking for more diversity. That's so if you're really important, you know, and some of my clients have, have you know, they said, you know, I'm calling myself mm -hmm. out. They're like, I'm trying to figure out because part of their homework is creating a vision board of like what outfits, styles and colors and, you know, everything like, what are they drawn to? Like, what do you like? What brings you joy to wear? Right. And they're like, I'm trying to figure out, do I like this outfit or do I like it because it's on a thin person? Yeah. Right. Good and question. just being able to critically 
critically analyze that being yeah. like i really like these clothes or i don't only like it because it's on a thin person and it shows their their tiny waist and, and whatever mm -hmm. so, you know paying attention to what you consume and i broad think that that's I think that's really important too, because a lot of the women that I work with and have worked with over the years tend to follow a lot of ins what they think is inspirational type accounts, like all of these fitspo and like the, you know, the fitness models and all of these kinds of things that, cause you know, they, they want to get inspired or something. And all it really ends up doing is just making them feel worse about themselves and their bodies and perpetuating that, you know, sort of beauty ideal that you were talking about. And if that's all you're seeing, you're going to have a very difficult time switching those beliefs if that's what's in your face all day. And you're going to have a very difficult time not having, not giving yourself a hard time for not measuring up. So really important to, to start looking at like, what am I consuming and how is it even making me feel and how can I start diversifying that and, and consuming stuff that, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't perpetuate beliefs that are not serving me. Another thing is, if you are triggered, pay attention to what your triggers yeah. are and maybe breaks from them. Yeah. If you can, yeah. right? Like if it's Absolutely. people in your life and I'm not saying you need to cut them out or you need to cut all your triggers. I mean, at some point there, there's always going to be a trigger and we can't control the environment, but depending on where you are in your healing, you might have to take breaks from people, from social media, from certain accounts, um in order to to give yourself a break absolutely because there's no there are there are probably a million times a day where you're going to get triggered by things that you can't control be, being exposed to and you don't have the emotional energy to manage every single time you're triggered in the road of a day especially in the beginning so absolutely like start looking at like how many different ways am i getting triggered that i can start to just you know detach from a little bit and step back from and take a break from. Yeah. Excellent. And another one, which somebody might not have ever thought of. Um, oh, Kelly said, thanks beauty industry for making us believe we rot as we, <laughs> so we will buy more and feel less relevant with each wrinkle and white hair. F all that right in the A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kelly, you're awesome. <laughs> Kelly and I have <laughs> One thing that one thing I want to make a point of there, though, is um, just a reminder that the beauty industry and like all of these industries, the media, all of these things, they sell what we buy. Yeah, they sell what we buy. And a lot of those things we perpetuate in the conversations we have with ourselves, with, with each other. I'm sorry. Sorry, they, Amanda? they know how to trigger our insecurities, oh, though, 100%. because they make these problems and we buy it. Yeah. That are real. And we're like, oh, this is a problem. So yeah. I obviously, yes, we're buying it because we think it needs to solve something, but I, but I still don't think it's our fault. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying it's our fault. I'm yeah. not saying that. I'm not saying it's our fault. I'm saying that we have more control than we think that we do. Right. That's what right. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not our fault, yeah. but we, we have more control over it than we think we do because we can, we can recognize when they're triggering our insecurities and we can go, yeah, you know what? F you like one ad I see on YouTube all the time is women over 50 need this wrinkle reducer. And I'm like, F you, I do not like, I don't need to buy that. I don't need to buy your messaging. I don't need to buy that. And that's how I can take power. That's how I can control that. And the conversations that we have with each other too, because so often, 
we get caught in these conversations with friends and family about the wrinkles and about the the gray hair and about the you know and and you know we sort of perpetuate those things that way too so not not blaming us whatsoever but just pointing out like let's sort of be a little bit more aware of the control that we actually do have for yeah. these things so one of the other things i want to mention that others might not think of is are we getting enough rest oh yeah yeah no like, we are not <laughs> right like when i'm stressed my lens and how i view myself in the yeah. world is negative active yeah. So then there's like, what's your mental health like? What's your emotional health like? Are you taking care of yourself in that way? Instead of adding something to your list to do, what can come off of the list? Where can you ask for help? Because that also hasn't been normalized. Our ability, you know, and normalized. I know I struggle with asking for help. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things, yeah, and, and, you know, specifically around this whole body image issue, one of the things that I have seen in the women that I've worked with over the years is no, they're not getting enough rest. None of them are, mm -hmm. but they are constantly being told that they're not working hard enough and that they have to work harder, especially when it comes to this body image thing, because it's always about if you're, if you're not body confident, then you have to do the work to change your body to fix yeah. it. Right. You are working hard enough. You need more rest. <laughs> you don't need to change your body. You need more rest. I almost guarantee anybody anybody that's watching this today needs more yeah. rest and and to work on stress reduction yeah. techniques absolutely and you know there's that i mean that comes from a capitalist society yes. that we live at our productivity equals our worth as humans yeah. you know our success how much money we make how many hours we work you know yeah. how much logged you know the grind the hustle like the other thing that the, that's that's another great uh, time to ask the question who profits from this <laughs> and it, who profits from me believing i'm not working hard enough right right and and people like mostly women yeah have a hard time having rest because they feel guilty for it they don't know how to rest without guilt because they feel like well if i'm not working then i should be cleaning yeah. or if i'm i should be playing with my kids or if i'm not doing it all it comes back again to that that idea of worth right? We attach our worth to how we look, we attach our worth to how much we accomplish, how much we do for others. This is where the values come into play. 100%. So if you're struggling, if you attach your worth to things like that, that aren't benefiting you, then you need to reevaluate and identify what are your values? Yeah. What is important to you? Like, I, I don't think we need to attach worth to anything. I think we're all inherently 100% agree. Born worthy. Yeah. But then life comes into play. And so if you start to question it or doubt it, what are your values like where what yeah. is important and and align your life more towards that it's kind of like how i you know when i hit 40 i had to redefine what success meant to me yeah. as a woman you know as a business owner as a partner as a mother what was my definition of success not a definition that i was taught to believe right like i had to do the same thing when i was trying to heal my body image issues because i was taught that success is defined by how i look by how much you make and all that stuff too, but also by, by how I look. So yeah, so I had to do the same thing. Like, what does success mean to me? And, um, you know, what do I want it to mean? Yeah, and there's, there's no right or wrong answer. Like yeah, that's the beautiful every, thing. Every day yeah. makes them feel good. Yeah. And that's important. For me, yeah. no, <laughs> that's not how. 
not because I, that's the right way. It's just for me and my values, that's not yeah. my work attached with how much I move or don't move my body that day. Yeah. It's just not, it, there's no attachment. But then, you know, when it comes to rest, um, I read a book. I can't remember the author's name. It was Dr. Mm, it's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember her name. Um, maybe I'll put it in the comments of this live. And so she talked about there's seven different types of rest, mm. right? Often I know the can, book you mean. I can't think of her name either. <laughs> yeah, it's like on the tip of my tongue. But anyways, I read the book last year, maybe the year before, and I loved it. It was so, so good. There was a lot of religious aspects of the book. So like the last half of the book wasn't for me, but like when she yeah. dug in seven types of rest, like it was mind blowing for yeah. me. And so seven different types is there's social rest. There's emotional rest, there's spiritual rest, mm -hmm. physical rest, mental rest, creative rest, and sensory rest. And usually we're deficient in like three or more. <laughs> like At we're, least. Right? We're, we're deficient At least. To yeah. how, how much you've, how much rest you can give yourself. Like for me, I, I struggled, my, my deficiency was in sensory mm -hmm. and emotional. Those were my big, big deficiencies. And so I, I know I know that about myself is I sensory overload, too much, too bright lights, too much noise, too much consuming of information. It all affects my sensory system. And I've yeah. had to learn what what fills my sensory cup. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's not about so rest isn't just not doing anything. And that's what sometimes people think is rest is just well, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And so I'm resting not what rest is sometimes rest isn't it's an active thing that we're doing and so as an example yes Sandra Dalton Smith yes thank mm -hmm. you amazing book um, so an example of social rest because that, that's the one that had one of the biggest impacts on me was understanding you know how rest can be active is understanding mm -hmm. that people that you surround yourself with if you can't be your authentic self with them yeah. that's not rest because you have to like filter yourself you have to monitor yourself but if yeah. you can have like an authentic conversation and interact and interaction with a person that you trust and that holds space for you then that is actually social rest so it's not about not being around anybody yeah and i mean that is what you need like that's part of what you need but sometimes it's not about well i don't need anybody and i need to like go be by myself it's about being able to have an authentic interaction with a person and you're not yeah. having to self and they, they they create a safe space that you can be yourself in and so if you're around people that criticize you mm -hmm. that you have to fill with that's draining you on a regular basis yeah. but if you can have real authentic you know i'd say our relationship ronnie is one of those things for me that, mm -hmm. that my social rest is ronnie and i every friday morning we we talk we we plan about the real diet story Sometimes the first half hour is just like, what's going on with us? Yeah. And, and we can have, have real authentic conversations. We can share ideas and emotions without judgment. Um, and that is one of the ways that I get social rest. Yeah, and it, it's, it's for me too. And it's really important for me because I haven't had a lot of that in my life. Like for me, social rest has always been taking a break socially. And I'm really, really, really good at that. I'm an introvert at heart, not even just an introvert. I'm a hermit at heart. So that's always really easy for me. But, but the social rest where you can just connect with somebody on that level, that's not always, not only has it been 
um, not easy for me over the course of my life, but it's also been not really um, possible for me because I didn't, I didn't have a lot of those kinds of people in my world for a lot of my life. So I especially appreciate it as well for, for that reason, because it's not always the easiest thing for me. And, you know, especially because, you know, in talking about the whole body image thing and stuff too, and the way that we feel about ourselves, it can be very, very difficult to be authentic when you don't know who you are. Yeah. And for a lot of years, most of my life, I didn't know who I was. And that's one of the reasons why body image became such an issue for me too, because when I didn't have a strong sense of self or who I was as a person, it just, this, I, it just felt like the package I was in was all I had to offer. Mm. And when you feel like that's all you have to offer, you put a lot of pressure on yourself for that to look the way that you think that it's supposed to look. Um, I yes. Kind of got off track on the social rest thing there, but but that's um, that's a really that's important a good, good point. But yeah, yeah, just how much? What is your stress level like? Yeah. And recognize that when we are under stress, mm -hmm. um, our lens is very much skewed, and that can trigger some negative talk, some negative body image. And so, yeah. just checking that, like, do you need some more rest in your life? Yeah. And maybe go read go read the book by Sandra yeah. Dalton Smith. Um, she's, it's, it's a really, really good book. Yeah. But. It's, it's much harder to, to manage triggers and, and some of those sensitivities when you're overtired. And again, I, I guarantee anybody that's reading this is almost certainly overtired. Most of the women that I've worked with and I've known in my life just are lacking in most of those areas of rest. We just need more rest women. We really do. And give ourselves a break. Well, it's been almost an hour. I know. Every and every time we get together and talk, I feel like we could do it like half the day. There's not enough hours of the day. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody who joined and contributed to our discussion. Like it's so valuable, and this is why we do what we do. We're hoping um, to gather people's viewpoints to hopefully have a positive impact if we can um, in our lives, um, if we can. So thank you everybody for joining us, and um, thank you again, Ronnie. I'll thank talk you. See you tomorrow. listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.